Welcome back to the NFL on Fox podcast. I am your host, Dave Hellman, and I'm turnt, y'all. It's it's the start. It, it's here. Football is happening today. By the time you lay your head on the pillow tonight, we will have gotten a taste of the 2023 NFL season. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm sorry, because we got a lot of work to do before then. We still got to preview an entire half of the league. If you listened yesterday and if you didn't, please go find it. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all that good stuff. We did the AFC, the, the juggernaut AFC, all of these incredible teams, all of these Super Bowl favorites. Well, we got to do the other side too. the NFC. We're going to call it a grab bag as wide open a conference as I can remember a true situation where sure there are favorites, but how many of them do you believe in? Sure, there are 16 quarterbacks, but Aaron Rodgers is off to the other side. Tom Brady is retired. Like, who are the stars? Who are the guys that are going to carry the mantle? I don't know, but I can't wait to find out. If you're new to the show, we're going to try to do it as quickly and succinctly as possible. If I ramble a little bit too much, they're going to play some lovely little award show music. Guys, this is where you should do that. Yep, that right there. You know... You know, like if, if the person is up on stage and talking too much and thanking too many people that, yeah, they'll yank me off. They'll probably have to do it a few times, but we'll get there. I don't think that's going to be a problem for this first division. We're going to start with the biggest, baddest boy of all. Sorry if you're mad about it. It's the NFC East. It's the ratings driver. It's the division in the NFC with by far the most combined Super Bowls. The reigning NFC champs are there. America's team is there. Yeah, I said it. Sorry. Let's get into it. I've got my good buddy, Ralph Vacchiano, Fox Sports's NFC East writer on hand, longtime NFC East writer, longtime writer in the NFL community. I can't wait to break it down. Let's get right into it and get to the bottom of the NFC East. All right, Ralph, let's get right into it. Two longtime NFC East guys. And I honestly think in my 10 years, this is as good top to bottom as the division has ever looked. Obviously, the Eagles and Cowboys have have been trading division titles for a while, but the Giants look like a feisty team all of a sudden. And and it's a whole new era in Washington with the commanders changing ownership groups as well. So let's let's get right into it. And what better place to start than the reigning NFC East champ or NFC? Yeah, well, the reigning NFC champs, excuse me, give the Eagles their proper respect. But I think that's that's what I'm most curious about is this is a team that is widely expected to repeat as NFC champs. I think the, the hype on the Eagles justifiably, but it's very big. And I can't help but notice only eight teams in the Super Bowl era have gotten back to the game after losing it. So this is as good as the Eagles look on paper. This is a hard thing to do. And I'm curious to know if you think the Eagles have what it takes to get back to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and by the way, three of those eight teams were the Buffalo Bills in back-to-back-to-back years, so it is even harder than you'd think to get back to the Super Bowl after losing it. Do I think the Eagles are capable of it? Are they talented enough to do it? Absolutely. That's different than actually doing it. You're going to need some breaks along the way. They had really good health for most of last year, especially at all the key positions. They had a little blip where they lost Jalen Hurts for a couple of games. They managed to survive that. Is that going to continue? Probably not. They're probably going to have more adversity. They have a little harder schedule this year. Obviously, the division, you know, has the potential to be either just as tough or tougher. 
But this Eagles team, I think it's actually better on paper than the year before. I mean, they had a monster defensive front last year with, you know, they had 70 sacks. They go and they lose Javon Hargrave and his 11 sacks. They come and get Jalen Carter, the best player in the draft to play defensive tackle. They get Nolan Smith, one of the best edge rushers in the draft later in the first round. They have another first rounder, Jordan Davis, a defensive tackle who they can plug in. Uh, you know, they lose a couple of linebackers. They get Nicobe Dean, another strong linebacker coming out of college a year ago, uh, to plug in there. They just seem to have this ability to find talent to replace the guys they lose. And they're keeping all of their key players on offense. Jalen Hurts, all his receivers, all his, uh, you know, his tight ends, his offensive line. They do have a change of running back, but I'm not so sure that losing Miles Sanders and replacing him with a committee led by DeAndre Swift is a drop off at all. So, you know, this team is just still loaded. Again, they're probably not going to get all the same breaks, but I'd be really surprised if they're not a 12-win team by the end of it. I'm not just saying this because the Eagles drafted half of the Georgia Bulldogs roster over the last two years, but they honestly remind me of a college team. You know, it, it almost feels like the seniors graduated, whether you want to talk about Javon Hargrave or Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, and they are leaving the underclassmen to step up into their places. I mean, yes, I think the Eagles are talented, but I can't wait to see how Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis, N'Kobe Dean replacing TJ Edwards yeah. at linebacker. It, Like I said, it, it reminds me of a bunch of sophomores coming up to fill the seniors' shoes. I, I, I'm very curious to see if they can do it. And right, and they're, that makes them unknowns, right? I mean, I'm right. just singing the praises of these guys as if they're going to step in and be all pros, which, of course, is the Eagles' expectations. And a lot of the scouts who saw these guys play think that they're going to step in and do great. They might not. You know, we're not going to know until they actually get there. Maybe that's the, I don't know if it's an Achilles heel or the weakness to watch for the Eagles. They do have to replace some very talented guys. But again, this is a, a team that's been a factory of talent over the last few years. And that core they have, their, you know, veteran core four and guys on offense like Jalen Hurts, like A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith now, you know, secondary with Darius Slay and James Bradbury. There's a lot of really strong Good NFL players, good NFL leaders at key positions. And if there's any place that can nurture some of those freshmen and sophomores who are stepping up, <laughs> it's the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I want to stay for the record. Pretty much all my questions about the Eagles are on the defensive side of the ball. I think the offense is going to be yeah. absolutely awesome. All right, let's switch gears to the team that I am most familiar with easily, and that's the Dallas Cowboys. Ralph, this is the question that I've been asking all offseason season. If not now, then when? And before you think I am putting too much hype on the Cowboys, it came out today. Mike McCarthy's mantra for his team this season is carpe omnia. I did not take Latin in high school, but thanks to Twitter, I know <laughs> that it means seize everything. Seize everything is okay. this team's motto. Yeah. I mean, so in case you think I'm stepping out of line asking if not now, then when it sounds like Mike McCarthy agrees with me, I I'm looking for a reason why the Cowboys shouldn't be able to do it this year. They've got a loaded defense. They've got one of the best young defenders in Micah Parsons. They've got a solid offensive line. They've got a pro bowl quarterback. They traded for Brandon cooks to bolster their receiver core. They got a Pro Bowl running back. Ralph, what don't the Cowboys have? Why shouldn't I feel this way about them heading into the season? Well, history is one reason. I feel like 
we've spent about 10 years saying, well, if not now for the Cowboys, when? This is it. They're loaded. Let's go. And it never quite seems to happen. Now, that doesn't mean anything about this year. The truth is, they are loaded. If you ask me who is the second best team in the NFC, I think it might be the Dallas Cowboys. I could argue the San Francisco 49ers, too. But the Cowboys are right there. They are loaded on the defensive side. They have a good offensive line, good skill players, a good quarterback. All the pieces are there. They were there last year, too, where they could have competed with the Eagles, except for Dak Prescott and all of those interceptions. And that is a big hurdle to overcome. What was it? 15 interceptions in 12 games last year, another two in the, uh, in the playoff loss. Yep. You can't do that nowadays as a quarterback. You are just giving games away, whether it's his fault or the coaches or the receivers or anything else. If you turn the ball over that much, you're going to lose too many games. So I like Dak Prescott a lot. I was a little shocked by all the interceptions last year. That worries me going in. He's going to you know, pull a Daniel Jones and, and suddenly cut way down in his turnovers. I think the Cowboys will be right there with the Eagles. They're talented enough to do it. If he's going to throw interceptions like crazy again, you know, they'll probably win 10, 11 games, but it's going to be an uphill battle to really compete in the playoffs. Between his contract situation and the star on the side of his helmet, I don't think there will be a more scrutinized player in the NFL than Dak Prescott this season. I am envious of you, sir. You get to see how their season kicks off in person at MetLife Stadium for Fox Sports on Sunday. Looking forward to that. And their opponent, by the way, the New York Giants, your local team or your most local team. I don't know. Those They're all bunched together with the exception of the Cowboys. They really are. <laughs> the exception of the Cowboys. It's all very bunched together up there. But MetLife Stadium, Sunday night. I can't wait to see what the Giants do for an encore. And I, I would love to know if you agree with me on this. This was this was a team that was ahead of schedule last year. I don't think most people picked Brian Dable to do what he did and win coach of the year and win a playoff game. Now my question is, can they stay that way? Because I think if, if you listen to the whispers, if you listen to the prognosticators, a lot of people think the Giants are going to take a step back, but there's a lot to like about this roster. You know, there's a lot to like about what they've done, whether it's adding Darren Waller, whether it's drafting a bunch of exciting rookies, their defense is underrated. So can Brian Dable, especially with the expectations a little bit higher than they were last year, do you see a regression or do you think the giants can kind of stay ahead the way that they did last year? Well, it's going to kind of depend on your measuring stick. I think if you are looking at, the overall growth of the program, the talent, uh, you know, the play on the field. Yeah, I think they can stay ahead of schedule. I think they were very ahead of schedule last year. I don't think even if you gave truth serum to Brian Dable and Joe Shane, the GM, I don't think they thought they had a playoff team last year. Um, so if they, you know, they look at this season as the season that they would finally start to compete a little bit and they, they are better. They did go out and get Darren Waller. They got, uh, more speed at receiver, Paris Campbell, Jalen Hyatt, the kid they drafted in the third round. They did add to that defense. So it's a better team, and there's going to be a better product on the field, particularly on offense. The question I have is, what are they growing from? Because they were 9-8 and eight, or 9-7-1 and one last year. They started out 7-2, and two, and they won a lot of games that when you look back, they really kind of pulled them out of nowhere. They really won games they probably shouldn't have won. They got some breaks. That didn't happen in the second half, and they really regressed. If they hadn't won a playoff game on the road in Minnesota, this whole story of the Giants would have been 
how they fell apart after that seven and two start, but they won that playoff game. And now you're thinking, okay, well they're for real again. So it's just kind of this curve where they went up, then down, and then a little back up again at the end. So I'm not sure what they were last year. I, I, what I can kind of see for this team is they're better, but they're not going to get the same amount of breaks. The schedule is a little harder. I could see a position where they're, they're the same record, maybe even a game worse. But you look at it and go, it's a better team. You know, the record's not better. The That ascension isn't there, but it's a better team. Maybe they sneak into the playoffs. But, you know, they're still kind of in that 500 range. They're just not – I don't think they're that perennial contender yet that they want to be. I think that's still probably a year away. I absolutely agree. And I think what's going to be fun for the Giants is I think you can see how they improve or whether they improve based on how they play in these games. I mean, at the end of the day – they had a negative six point differential last year. And obviously when they went up against Philadelphia in the playoffs, you saw the difference between a, a true contender and, and what the giants were. But I think they have the potential, like you said, even if the record's not as good, I think they have the potential to play teams much closer and be much more competitive across the board. And they have a huge opportunity to do that with a Dallas team that they have not been beating often recently. The, the big thing for them, I think, is their offense is going to give them a chance to compete better than it had in the past. Last year, that offense was a train wreck. I mean, Daniel Jones, I think, threw 15 touchdowns overall. That's not elite numbers by any stretch because he had a terrible receiving core. He didn't have a reliable tight end. Teams could stack the line you know, on Saquon Barkley, who still had a great season despite all that, but he didn't have a lot of room to run, not a lot of breakaway runs. This year, they've got Darren Waller, who was legitimately Travis Kelsey-like before he got hurt. Now he's 31 now, and that was three years ago, but the potential is there. There's a lot more potential, a lot more speed on offense where they can have these big breakaway plays and score a little easier than they have in the past. So that's really going to help them. But that's, again, if everybody stays healthy and you know they're, they're not like a lot of teams, they're not very deep, so they're one or two injuries away from it all falling apart. But there is at least the potential there for them to be more competitive and look like a better team. Let's wrap this thing up with the most exciting commanders preview ever. And honestly, no matter what happens to the Washington commanders this season, that will stand like the, what a, what a breath of fresh air to, to feel like we can actually give proper credence to the commanders heading into a season. And Ralph, as as someone that's covered this league and this division as long as you have, I'm curious if you've ever heard of a situation where an entire organization is interviewing for their jobs, because that's what it feels like. Whether you want to talk about Ron Rivera being in an all important fourth season or Eric Bieniemy auditioning and trying to show the league that he deserved an offensive coordinator job way earlier than this. And obviously Sam Howell getting a shot as the starting quarterback speaks for itself, but with a new ownership group in place, nobody's got a lot of job security. A, I'm curious if you've ever seen something like this before, and B, I'd love to know how you think it's all going to shake out. Yeah, you know, this is new to me. Um, I think you'd probably have to go back maybe to, you know, for, for a total house cleaning place, maybe when Jerry Jones bought the Cowboys years and years and years ago. Um, but usually an owner takes over, and there'll be some changes, and they'll be more subtle. Uh, but you know, Josh Harris bought a franchise that needed to be fumigated. I mean, Dan Snyder was, aside from all the scandals and stuff, everything fell apart under his watch. The business, the the facilities, the you know, the things that the players need. So 
everything's got to change. There's going to be a lot of people held accountable for that. It wasn't just Dan Snyder. And even if it was, the people that he hired didn't do their jobs in a lot of cases. So, um, yeah, off the field, you're going to see, I think, huge, huge changes over the next year. But what we'll focus is on the field. And the product just hasn't been good. I mean, if you spend $6 billion on a team and you start to you know, build a new stadium and, and change all the operations, do you want a coach and a general manager who have a, you know, 22 and 27 record or whatever it is over the last three years? Probably not, which means he's going to be watching this year to see, can these guys win? Are, you know, what are, what can Ron Rivera, Martin Mayhew, uh, uh, Eric Bianami show me to believe that they can win? And I think what makes it the most fascinating of all is their fate is being tied to a 22 year old quarterback who was a fifth round pick and who has played one game in the NFL. It's not like they've got Lamar Jackson that can go bail them out. They've got a, basically a rookie quarterback. And there are, we've all seen it. There are always, even Peyton Manning, there are ups and downs for rookie quarterbacks. It is not a situation where you think, I got my guy, I'm going to go win now. But they have to win now. So it's it's totally fascinating to me. And it's a new situation, no doubt. And I think that um, I think they're all realistic about it. So I think Ron Rivera knows his job is on the line. Um, I'm sure Mark Mayhew does. I'm sure that you know Eric Bieniemy's eyes were wide open when he took this job, and Josh Harris is going to be watching every corner of that organization so much so that you know if, unless they have a surprise year, you know we're not going to recognize anything about the Commanders a year from now, possibly yeah. even the name. Yeah, but uh, right. you know maybe nothing else. Yeah, which is, I love it so much because even a team that most people agree is not ready to contend or maybe even compete, we'll see. But for those reasons, they are just as interesting to me as the teams that are going to win 11, 12 games. Ralph, thank you so much. Before we let you go, I got to put everybody on the spot. Two of the best teams in the NFC in this division. Who you got winning the NFC East this year? Well, I do have the Eagles winning the division. I think they are the best team in the conference, the deepest team. They could probably withstand the issues and problems and injuries better than anyone else. But I tell you what, you know, the Cowboys may be the wild card in my scenario, but I would not be surprised to see them at Lincoln Financial Field in Philly for the NFC Championship game at some point because they really might be the two best teams in the NFC. Great minds think alike, my friend. Look, I'm sorry to my Dallas people. I didn't have the guts to pick the Cowboys to win the division. I'm going Eagles as well, but I think this is the year the Cowboys make some serious noise, and we will get to that later. Ralph, thank you so much for your time. Anytime, Dave. Thanks for having me on. Moving on to the NFC West and a division that I'm going to call the haves and the have-nots because here you have two of the conference's true contenders, two teams that I expect to make a lot of noise and potentially make a run late in the postseason. And and then, you know, two teams who who uh, maybe next year, guys, maybe. Maybe. We'll see. We'll see. I don't know. We're getting ahead of ourselves. Let's lead this off where we have to with the biggest bully on the block, the San Francisco 49ers, the team that seems to be a fixture deep in the NFC playoffs. And that's the most amazing part about it is it's the only true contender in the NFL that doesn't have a capital G guy at quarterback. No offense to Brock Purdy. He was amazing last year. He stepped in for Jimmy Garoppolo and performed admirably. I'm not going to call him that dirty phrase that signifies he was drafted last in the NFL draft. That's rude. He's played way better than that. But the problem is he's still only started eight games. And oh, by the way, 
he's dealt with an injury to his throwing arm that knocked him out of the NFC Championship game. I'd really, we do this a lot in NFL media, but I just think it, it bears repeating. The 49ers are a favorite to play in Super Bowl 58, and their quarterback has not been able to throw much in the offseason. And oh, by the way, he's a second-year player who started eight career games. Think about what that means. To paraphrase my friend Emmanuel Acho, they got dogs. Fred Warner, dog. Debo Samuel, dog. Trent Williams, dog. Brandon Ayuk, dog. Dre Greenlaw, dog. Am I forgetting anybody? Oh, Nick Bosa, dog. By the way, a really rich dog. Talk about striking gold. Five years, $170 million. This team has everything you could want. And not to put too much pressure on Mr. Purdy, but it's all going to come down to how well he plays. I didn't even mention George Kittle. I did that whole bit right there, and I forgot one of the best tight ends in the NFL. It's it's unfathomable how much talent these guys have. And that's why I, I can't wait to see how this goes. It, it honestly reminds me of the team that beat San Francisco in the NFC Championship game last year, Philadelphia. Well, we all know Jalen Hurts is an MVP candidate now. That certainly wasn't the case in August and September of last year. I, I knew they were going to play the music for this, and I don't care. Like I said, two of the teams in this division aren't very good anyway, so I'm just going to use this time to say I can't wait to see if Brock Purdy rises to the occasion and not to put too much pressure on him, but there should be because we know this team is capable of being close to the Super Bowl. It seems like they do it every year. Brock Purdy, I can't wait to see it starting Sunday with the Pittsburgh Steelers. All right. I'm sorry that that took a little bit of time, but it's okay. Like I said, the, the Niners are worth it. We'll jump on to the Seattle Seahawks, a team that I can't wait to talk about the other for my money, the other contender that I mentioned in this division. And yes, I said contender because my the, my thesis here is that we're a little bit asleep on the Seattle Seahawks. And I'd love to know if we should be. I think that goes back to the fact that the Seahawks can't seem to get past the 49ers. They went 0-3 against their rivals from San Francisco last year. Kind of got trounced in the playoffs, if you remember. But look at Seattle's roster. Like, If you believe in Geno Smith, which I do, absolutely took the league by storm last year, deserved every bit of his Pro Bowl nomination. All they did was add to what's around him. You get Jackson Smith and Jigba in the first round of the NFL draft. You draft Zach Charbonnet out of UCLA to compliment Kenny Walker, who had a hell of a rookie season in his own right. So now we've got DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Jackson Smith and Jigba, two great running backs, Geno Smith, Charles Cross and Abe Lucas looked like beasts in their rookie years. Yeah, John Schneider, GM of the Seahawks, turns out you can flip your fortunes really quick if you draft your ass off. This Seahawks offense looks fantastic. I think they're going to be able to score points against just about anybody. And the defense is coming along as well. You draft a guy like Devin Witherspoon, top five in the NFL draft. You're getting Jamal Adams back healthy. Hopefully he can give you a full season for what seems like the first time since you traded for him. I'm not ready to tell you right now that I think the Seahawks are going to win the division, but I absolutely think they have a chance. I think we talk so much about the Eagles, Cowboys, and Niners, and rightfully so. But if you're thinking about it heading into the season, who's the fourth best team in the NFC? I'm here to tell you that I think it's the Seattle Seahawks. I can't wait to see them prove me right.
now we come to the we'll call it the less fun part of the division preview look i mean every team in the league has the potential to prove me wrong the seahawks just did it last year if we were doing this podcast last year i would have said something similar about seattle so maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm wrong the la rams absolutely have the potential to surprise me but i just don't see it y'all i really don't this feels like a team that knows it's in for a hard year shedding some contracts trying to move on from that super bowl and I'll, I'll be honest with you. I sat here in May and June and I said, well, the Rams have Aaron Donald. They have Matthew Stafford. They have Cooper cup. That's a hell of a trio that can take you a hell of a long way. Like if the best defender in football, a super bowl winning veteran quarterback and a super bowl MVP receiver, like if they all click, maybe they could drag the Rams to a better record than we're giving them credit for but then you get to September and Cooper cup is dealing with an injury. It seems like it's going to be a prolonged injury. Matthew Stafford from the rumors and and the reports doesn't seem like he's connecting that well with his teammates. I got nothing bad to say about Aaron Donald, put him in the hall of fame today. The problem is he's surrounded by rookies. Jalen Ramsey's not there anymore. Leonard Floyd's long gone. Like who's helping these guys and God forbid, if something happens to him, Who's going to step up? I just don't see it. I think we're going to be learning a lot of new names in Los Angeles this year. And if the Rams can even get three or four quality contributors out of all these young guys, it will have been a successful season. We're doing this all year. So I'll be here to eat my words if I'm wrong. But I just think the Rams are going to take some licks as they try to get some guys experience this year. It's a perfect segue. I, honestly, most of what I just said could apply to the Arizona Cardinals, our final team in this division, minus the proven veterans. Who's the proven player? Yeah, if you're watching us, we're sitting here on the set at, at our gorgeous studio. We've got a huge photo of Kyler Murray on the set. When's he going to play? The identity of the Arizona Cardinals is recovering from an ACL tear He's not eligible to play for at least the first month of the season. The storyline around the Arizona Cardinals right now is whether Kyler's even going to be their quarterback. And it's not far-fetched. Yes, I know his contract is huge. I'm here to tell you, and we can get into this as the year goes on. It can be shockingly easy to move on from a big quarterback contract. So we don't even know if Kyler is the quarterback in Arizona in 2024. If USC's Caleb Williams or North Carolina's Drake may is available next spring and the Cardinals are drafting where I think they'll be drafting Kyler Murray's contract is not going to be an issue. It's something watch this season and Cardinals fans. I would probably be watching a lot of college football as we move through this fall. Like I said, it's the time of year where there should be optimism for everybody and somebody's bound to make us all look dumb. If that team is the Arizona Cardinals, I don't know. I, I, I don't want to make a bet that I then have to fulfill. Cause I could, you know, I would say I'd eat my shoe, but that could be really bad television, really bad podcast. I'm not going to do that, but I don't see the Arizona Cardinals competing this year. If anything, you could say they're fighting for the number one pick and we haven't even played a game. You're talking about Josh Dobbs or a rookie in Clayton tune starting week one against the commanders, Jonathan Gannon, first year head coach in Arizona prayers up for you, buddy. I hope it actually happens better than it looks because I think this is the team 
with the least amount to be hopeful about for the 2023 season. I'm sorry to say it, but it's just what it is. Moving on to the prediction. If you're not paying attention, I think there's only two teams that it could be. It's San Francisco or Seattle. In the interest of being different, I'll be honest, the Niners have run things for the last three or four years, but man, I'm, I'm high on this Seahawks team. I really am. And when you consider the, I don't want to say uncertainty, but when you consider what Brock Purdy is facing coming back from an injury and a whole league that has tape on him, I don't want to say the Niners are going to struggle, but I definitely think it's going to be a challenge. And if they're fighting for their lives, why not have the Seattle Seahawks sneak up? I feel good about damn near everything about this team. I think the Seahawks have a legitimate chance to make some real noise in the NFC this year. It might not feel very wide open in the NFC West, but I'm here to tell you the most wide open, the most unpredictable division in the NFL this year. It's the NFC North, y'all. And to break it all down, we've got none other than our Fox Sports NFC North writer, Carmen Vitale, here to help me make sense of it all. As promised, I'm joined now by Carmen Vitale to talk about the division that nobody can seem to agree on. <laughs> the division that is playing without Aaron Rodgers for the first time since MySpace was a thing. Wow, that was a pull. The NFC North. Carm, how ready are you to stop trying to predict this division and just, you know, watch some football? Dave, my entire offseason has just been people asking me, who was going to win this division? I don't know. I don't know. It could be any one of these four teams. If you told me any one of these four teams ended with a 6-11 and 11 record, sure. 11-6, and six, also sure. I don't know what's going to happen, so I want to know. I think it's at a fever pitch especially because, again, Aaron Rodgers is a Jet. He's, he's New York's problem now. And it's like this weight has been lifted off the division. Like, dare to dream the thing that you couldn't dream before. <laughs> the boogeyman is gone. The boogeyman's gone. Everybody feels like they have a shot. It's very fun, and it obviously leads to even more speculation than usual. So let's get into it. We'll start with the team that won the division last year, as I'm sure they're, you're reminding me, Vikings fans, right now. Like, well, we won it last year while Rodgers was still here. I get it. I get it, Minnesota Vikings. Reigning division champions, and honestly, I'm less curious in the offense. I know Dalvin Cook's gone. I know Adam Thielen's gone. I know people are intrigued by Jay Jettas, LSU's own Justin <laughs> Jefferson. But for me, the intrigue with the Vikings is all on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah. Because I, with Kirk Cousins and all those guys in place on offense, I think the Vikings can score. I don't know what to think about this defense. And I happen to know. No. Oh that you sat down with new defensive coordinator, Brian Flores. This is called synergy, by the way. <laughs> I would love to know what you learned in that conversation and, and what can we expect from a Minnesota defense that uh, just doesn't feel like it has much of an identity right now. Minnesota season is going to go the way that the defense goes and how much these guys can grasp Ryan Flores' new system. Now, they're not switching schemes from a technicality standpoint. They're still a 3-4 base defense. But Brian Flores is famous for his aggressive scheme, his multiple scheme. He told me that he reworks Every offseason, his defenses, and while they keep the core concepts of that aggressiveness that Brian Flores is so proud of, it changes every year based on the personnel. So now with a new team, he told me he's going to be leaning a lot on the linebackers and the safeties. That's who's going to lead this group as far as getting in and out of different defenses, getting in and out of different pressure looks. And the reason for that 
is because that they have the most experience at those positions. Think about it. Harrison Smith, safety, been there forever. Jordan Hicks. He's 34, by the I way. I know, which is ancient <laughs> in, in football I looked, years. I, before the show, I looked it up. Us. He was drafted in 2012. Yeah, I don't want to talk about okay, it, Dave, I'm because sorry. we're also the same age as this man, That's and we're true. talking about him like he's on his last legs in a little walker, like, oh, he's going to be on the field today. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but he they he has the experience, and that's something that Brian Flores absolutely values between him, Jordan Hicks. They're the ones that are going to have to get this defense together. And the way that they can kind of trickle down the effects of Brian Flores and the concepts and the priorities that he has down through this little telephone line of between the, the assistant coaches and then onto the veterans and then onto the younger players, that's going to be how this defense performs. And if it's any indication from Brian Flores' time in Miami, it might not happen this first year, which is why I'm so unsure about how the Vikings are actually going to fare. A really sneaky addition that is, it's not even on the radar, let alone under it, but the decision to get Marcus Davenport out of New Orleans. Yeah. And look, I'm, Marcus Davenport, I'm not trying to say it's like a game changer. He clearly, he didn't live up to the hype of where he was drafted in the first round. But it's a guy that had the talent to be a high first round draft pick. You pair him with a vet like Daniil Hunter, also an LSU Tiger, just for <laughs> record. But like that has the potential to be very interesting, in my opinion. Brian Flores told me this is the first time he's ever had that dude on the defensive line. And he has two of them. During his years in Miami as head coach, he took the Miami Dolphins from last in sacks to top five within three seasons without ever having a player reach double-digit sacks. He's always had to get super creative with the way that he does his fronts and how multiple they can get and where he's getting pressure from because he never had those dudes. He now has not only Daniil Hunter, but Marcus Davenport. And he told me he's super excited about working with those guys and seeing what he can do and how many pressures he can tile up with those two alone. All right, 30 seconds or less. We know about the pass catchers on this team. We know about Kirk Cousins, TJ Hawkinson. Congrats on the bag. Bag. Jordan Addison is there to help Justin Jefferson. But I am curious about the run game. Dalvin Cook is gone. What, what, what is the answer there? Yeah, you mentioned the pass catchers and everything. They're not going to take a step back there. That's going to be the same this season. But where they could take a step back is if Alexander Madison is not who Dalvin Cook was. They don't run the ball a whole lot, but they need the run game to unlock other concepts on this uh, in this offense, in Kevin O'Connell's offense, who is a disciple of the Shanahan McVay tree. And you don't necessarily need to get a ton of production out of the run game itself, but you need to make sure the threat is still there because you need to be able to unlock other different points of your offense up to and including play action. Kirk, Ax Kirk Cousins is a huge play action quarterback and he benefits from it tremendously. It doesn't feel from the outside like they've done enough to offset losing Dalvin, but I look forward to them proving me wrong. All right, let's get to the favorites. And I, yes, <laughs> the favorites, the Detroit lions are the favorites to win their division. I'll never get tired of saying that, but now they have to back it up. Yeah, they absolutely do. But I think that they can. God help me, Dave. The Detroit Lions can win this division. And it's because not only they have the most complete, do they have the most complete roster in this division, I believe, but they also have belief in themselves. This is the most belief that they've had. It's the most belief the city of Detroit has had. They sold out of season tickets for the very first time. And it's all because of Dan the Man Campbell and what he's been able to instill in this Lions locker room. I mean, I was in.
in that locker room last season when they were losing. And it was still a fun place to be. And I don't want that to get construed as being a bad thing. It was a great thing because these guys knew that sooner or later it was going to turn around for them. And it did. They finished the season with, what, 8-1 and one, uh, down the stretch. And so they finished with a winning record. It was so fun. It was so fun. And I think that they can continue that momentum into 2023. Okay, well, let me ask you this. And I'm, I'm not trying to poo-poo the Lions as a contender, but I think there's a big difference between climbing out of a hole and playing the season finale in prime time and winning that game and feeling all good about yourselves. I think there's a huge difference between that and being a circled team from the get go. Again, they open the season tonight against the chiefs. They play good teams because of their record last year. Like, do you think they're ready for that increased level of scrutiny? Because as someone that spent a long time around the Cowboys, that is real. Like that never ending attention is a real thing that can wear on a team. Dave, usually I think it's coach speak when people say, oh, we don't pay attention to the outside noise. It doesn't affect us. It hasn't permeated into this locker room. In the case of the Detroit Lions, I believe it. Because if you've paid attention at all to them this preseason, you guys you don't have players mouthing off about how good they're about to be. You don't have anybody talking about expectations or this or that. In fact, every time Dan Campbell or Brad Holmes, their general manager, is asked about the expectations this season, it is immediately shut down. And that has been consistent throughout coaches and players. So I feel like they've blocked out a lot of this. And the, again, that belief in each other is what's going to carry them because that doesn't matter. The outside doesn't matter when you have such a good group of guys that they all enjoy being around each other. One big question I have about the Lions, Amon Ross St. Brown's a wonderful young receiver. Yeah. We know that he remembers every receiver that was drafted ahead of him. I think we've covered that. But <laughs> what's more unknown is who's helping him. That's yeah. Jamison Williams is great. He's also suspended for the first six games of the season for gambling. Do the Lions have a number two that they feel good about or that you think they should feel good about to help Amon Ross St. Brown? If the Lions have one hole, it is that number one, that X wide receiver. Amon Ra is a number one because he has to be, and he can play out of any alignment. He's a wonderful receiver. He was super productive last season. But you don't necessarily have that true outside guy until Jameson Williams comes back. But to that, I say, think outside the box, because that is what the Detroit Lions offense is doing. That is what offensive coordinator Ben Johnson is doing. You're about to say Jameer Gibbs' name? I'm absolutely about to say Jameer <laughs> Gibbs' name, because we we heard Ben Johnson say it just the other day that they're going to use him in ways that people don't think that they might use him. They are going true positionless player for Jameer Gibbs, and the wrinkles that Ben Johnson is able to come up with already. I had a defensive coach on that staff tell me that in practice, they'll think they figured out the offense one day. The very next day, Ben Johnson has five more wrinkles installed, all ready to go, that's confusing the defense again. So that amount of creativity for a guy that literally lives, breathes, and eats football, I just have to, I, I cannot wait to see how that manifests in Jameer Gibbs. And we don't have to wait much longer. I'm I know. So excited they play tonight. All right. How about the, we'll call them the guys that get too much attention. Probably if you are a, not a fan of them, the green Bay Packers, <laughs> you know, just have generational quarterback play for 30 years. And as soon as you lose Aaron Rodgers to the New York jets, you just fill that airtime with trying to find out about Jordan love. But that's really, that's what it comes down to for mm -hmm. me. I know there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff about this team. There's a lot of things to like about this team, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, 
this team's entire storyline is about finding out what Jordan Love is and how good he can be. So help me. I think the Green Bay Packers have done it again. Jordan Love. Oh. Is that a hot hot take? That's they steaming take. Done it again yeah. implies implies like eventual Hall of Famer. Yes, I know. That's what that means. It's scary to say. You're not saying like, oh, he could be pretty good because that's what most people say. Yeah, I think that's taking the easy way out. <laughs> commit, and I'm gonna commit, Dave. Especially because I grew up a Chicago Bears fan in the city of Chicago, and I just refuse to believe that the Packers are gonna fall off because it hasn't happened in my lifetime. Are you? Would you say you're scarred? Uh, maybe. Yeah, okay. just a little bit. Okay. But the thing is, Jordan Love is coming into his first year as starter more prepared than 99.9% of first-year starters because he's been in this offense for three years. And he knows these guys. He knows this locker room. He knows this... Their quarterbacks coach, Tom Clements, said in the offseason that he could lean over to Jordan Love at any point during any game while he was riding the bench and say, what are we about to do here? And Jordan Love would know it. He knows this offense like the back of his hand, so now he just has to execute it. I'm going to make everybody's job easier. Social team Stacy, if you could just clip out Stace, be nice. this part of the show <laughs> where Carmen said that Jordan Love is a future Hall of Famer, that's what should go on social media, just... For the record, no, I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you for the record. I'm not ready to go that far, but I think Jordan love is going to hit the ground running. I like the Packers offensive line at some point. All of the talent on their defense has to actually play. Well, they have seven first round picks. Lucas Van Ness is the most recent one out of Iowa. Rashawn Gary's back from injury. Yeah. Like at some point, all of this talent has to translate to a better defense. Jair Alexander, I should at least say your name. One of the best corners in the league. I was going to say, make he sure would, you call him great. Not good. Okay, you're right. Please He's a great corner. don't come for me. Jair Alexander. The point is everything about this team looks pretty ready They're, They need some seasoning at receiver and tight end, but everything looks good. I if wanna, Jordan love is good. I want to make sure to emphasize this though, that it might not happen in the very first game because both Romeo Dobbs and Christian Watson are dealing with hamstring injuries currently. So their status for Sunday is in question, which more opportunity for Jaden Reed and Luke Musgrave, baby. Let's go. They're going to get a lot out of those two. I'm high on the Packers and you'll see how high in a few minutes. Let's wrap (laughs) it up. Your hometown team. Yep. The Chicago bears. They are. And again, I mean, look, it's the most important position in football for a reason. I don't remember a situation like this with Justin Fields where a quarterback is is so hyped and has so much expectation and a team that picked first in the most recent draft. Yeah. That means you had the worst, worst record. record. Worst record in the league. They are widely expected to massively improve that and there are people that think Justin Fields is part of the MVP conversation. It's not for me to say that he's not, but that's a hell of a jump. And I would love to know if you think that this is too much too soon. It's absolutely too much too soon because Justin Fields, I believe, is going to make a jump. But everyone wants him to make this Jalen Hurts-esque jump from the Philadelphia Eagles, which then The Hurts situation is is hurting Justin Fields, I feel wow, like. Wow, you did that. The Hurts situation is hurting Justin Fields. I see what you did there. The thing is, though... It is because the 2022 Eagles are not the 2023 Bears. The 2023 Bears are not the 2022 Eagles. Like the Eagles were set 
and they just needed Jalen Hurts to get that much better. They were a playoff team. Jalen Hurts' floor is also much higher than Justin Fields was this year. So to, he has a lot further to go. And quite frankly, the jump he would have to make is unprecedented. I broke down the percentages actually on, Fox, on FoxSports.com. Synergy. Synergy. Um, and if Justin Fields was to match the same percentages as Jalen Hurts did from his year two to year three season, that stat line for Justin Fields would look more along the lines of what? 2,600 passing yards, 21 touchdowns, and seven interceptions. That is an improvement over last year. But that is not Jalen Hurts from 2022 that took his team to the Super Bowl. So I think we need to adjust our expectations and not put all of this on Justin Fields, especially when he doesn't have the best offensive line in football to stand behind or run behind, for, his, uh, for that matter. Not even to mention the defense where... Philadelphia a year ago had a team full of maulers. Absolute dogs. Literal dogs now because they're the Georgia Bulldogs. Seriously. Of the NFL. I just I, I don't see it on the defensive side of the ball for the Bears. I don't no. know. I know Yannick Ngagwe is there now. I don't think that is a math changer. Like, no. I don't think that drastically affects how well you're getting to well, the Well, when you only had 20 sacks in a year, it, it does up severely. The that's the point. So, yeah, sacks. no, they'll be better. How much better? And that's my thing. I think I'm excited to see Justin Fields. I think he's going to be must watch to see how much better he gets. And he has electrifying talent. He does. I just think the bears are a year or so away from being really part of this conversation. And depending on how Justin Fields plays, they don't, please don't yell at me bears fans, but it's possible. Ryan Poles is hunting for a quarterback in the offseason if Justin Fields doesn't live up to these incredible expectations. Polls made no bones about the fact that they are hedging their bets on Justin Fields. He didn't draft Justin. So you have to take that into consideration when you when you look at how Ryan Poles is evaluating him and the fact that he was so insistent on this being a multi-year rebuild for the Chicago Bears that when they took that leap down from the number one overall spot down to all the way down to number nine, uh, he made sure to get an extra first round pick out of that because of the fact that now this sets the Bears up in 2024 to grab whatever quarterback they want if, in fact, Justin Fields isn't who they hope he is. I think, and, and I think that's what makes it fun. I hope, you know, I hope we're not bumming Bears fans out too much no. because there's multiple ways that this season could be really fun for them. Either we're wrong, yeah. Justin Fields is that dude. Right, and you can just come for me and it'll and, be great. But that's fine. And, and then you're in the playoff <laughs> picture and that's all well and good. But yeah. even if that doesn't happen, they are so well positioned to pivot and try again, or, or even if Justin Fields is even just merely good. Yeah. Now you say, well, we've got two good first round picks that we can use to revamp this defense or further yeah. bolster the offensive line. There's a lot of fun outcomes ahead of the bears. I just don't know that it involves the playoffs this year. I, I, I can't imagine it does. But again, stranger things have happened. I haven't seen the script for this year's NFL season. So who actually knows? <laughs> You're but watching those commercials? Of, of course, I'm watching those commercials. Those are hilarious. Um, but also Justin Fields replacing his legs with actual wheels. Like, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not far off. He's fast no, as hell. He does have the opportunity. I mean, the reason he's in these MVP conversations is because no quarterback has ever had 4,000 yards passing, 1,000 yards rushing. And there's only been, what, Josh Allen to do it, 3,000 yards passing and yeah. 1,000 yards? Yeah. Yeah. So Pretty pretty nice. It's That's why the MVP conversation comes up. And if he does that, man, Chicago's going to have a fun time.
Oh my God. I got to get That's, there. I know that city's going to lose. I got to get there for the party. If the bears are as good as bears fans hope they are. <laughs> they All right. They are. If you come on the show, you have to pick the winner. That's just how it works. Yeah. I assume based on this conversation that it won't be the Chicago bears, but Maybe you could surprise me. Who you got? Who's winning the it's NFC? It's not North? even putting me on the spot because everybody's been asking me it all season, like I said, or all off season, like I said. It's the Detroit Lions. I'm rolling with the Lions. I think this is the year. This is the year, Lions fans. Let's do it. I'm really excited for them. And I think, again, I just have a tremendous amount of belief in this team because they have the belief in themselves. It appeals to my hipster contrarian heart. Like yeah. the Lions are the most fun underdog, cool story. Could you imagine if they beat the Chiefs? It would be amazing. If you want to talk about parties. Detroit. Detroit Rock City. Yeah. Yes. But having said that, I'm going to go with the old bullies. You're I'm going, going to with go the with the Green Bay Packers, the Green Bay Packers to doing. win the NFC North. I think Jordan Love is good. I think Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon are an amazing duo to help him out. The yeah. offensive line is good. The defense is loaded. One of those pass catchers is going to step up. I'm not saying they're going to win more than like nine games, but I got the Green Bay Packers winning the NFC North. Let's go. Uh, they could very, very realistically end up with a better record than they did last year. And I've been kind of predicting that like on nope. the low. Back off. You don't. No, 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 no. You made you made your prediction. Go look on FoxSports.com. You said Lions. I've said. You said Lions. You don't get to steal I, I my Packers. I, I said they're going to have a better record than last year. Too close for comfort in my opinion. Relax. Carmen Vitale, thank you so much for joining me to preview the grab baggiest division of them all, the NFC North. Thanks, Steve. Last but absolutely not least, we have the NFC South. And look, I don't care what anybody says. Oh, this is this is the worst division. Oh, this is the champion might not have a winning record. I think you are beautiful, NFC South. I love football, and I can find the intrigue anywhere including right here where there's plenty to be juiced about starting with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm, I'm tired of hearing about how uninteresting this team is in the wake of Tom Brady's retirement. There's something to be intrigued by. And that's how they move on from Tom Brady. We'll get to Baker Mayfield. I get it. But the teams, the players that were there in Tampa with Tom Brady, they're all still there. That's what I think is so interesting. Mike Evans, I, I need to double check this probably. I know he's been connected to the trade market, but Mike Evans is still a Tampa Bay Buck. Chris Godwin is still a Tampa Bay Buck. Tristan Wirfs, really excited to see him move from right tackle to the left side in his fourth NFL season. He's still there, one of the best young tackles in football. Did I mention Levante David and Devin White, one of the best linebacker duos in the NFL? Yep, still there. Their secondary is still intact. Like, this is a pretty good roster, aging maybe, but a pretty good roster. All comes down to the quarterback. Does the Bake Show have any magic left? Can Baker Mayfield play like that guy we saw on that one magical night in Los Angeles last year? Or is it the guy we've seen uh, for most of the last two years? Look, I, I get it. I, I understand why people are down on the Bucks. I don't know if Baker Mayfield's going to be any good. Recent history suggests probably not, but I do think it's interesting. There's a lot of talent on this team. Todd Bowles is in a big situation in his second year as the head coach. I mean, if the Bucs can't get it done, 
you're talking about turning over the page on an entire era of Buccaneer football, because if Baker Mayfield can't win games, most of these guys won't be here hell by the trade deadline or at the very least when the season's over. So I'm interested. The Bucs won this division despite being bad last year. And I know even last year of his career, Tom Brady is still a massive upgrade over Baker Mayfield. But if he can be decent, I think there's talent here to be surprising. I don't get why people are so quick to write them off. And what about the newcomer? What about the number one overall pick? Again, why are people down on this division when the guy drafted first, Bryce Young, is in Carolina looking to lead them into a new era? I think this stuff is fascinating. Now, I'm going to be very honest with you. I'm a lot more scared and a lot less bullish on the Panthers than I was after watching Bryce Young run for his life in the preseason. Iki Aquanu, also a first round pick, needs to pick his level of play up if the if the Panthers are going to win any games, because I don't think they have enough talent on offense for Bryce Young to do this all on his own. Adam Thielen is there now, but I just don't know if that's enough. Miles Sanders is on a big running back contract, really the only running back that got paid this offseason. If the offensive line isn't better than it looked in August, this could be a much longer season. And then you flip it over. It's the same thing. I actually, I'm very excited about the Panthers defense. I think it's incredibly underrated. You look at it. If JC Horn, the cornerback can stay healthy. Brian Burns, one of the best young pass rushers in the NFL. will figure out if his holdout ends, if he's going to play, but, but the talent is there on the defensive side of the ball for the Panthers. If Bryce young doesn't have to do this all by himself, if he can hang in the pocket and make throws, this is a feisty team. I don't think it's insane to think that they could contend for the division. I will admit that idea felt a little more realistic in May than it does in September. But hey, that's why they play the games. What about my hometown team? Yes, the New Orleans Saints. I have covered the Dallas Cowboys for a very, very long time. But I am from the Big Easy, and I cannot wait to see what Derek Carr does in a different uniform for the first time in his career. Again, on paper, the saints are set up to be a hell of a spoiler. Like this is, this is a team that's been competitive in the post Drew Brees era, you know, floated around 500 been alive on the last weekend of the season. But in terms of legitimately making noise, it's been four or so years. Sean Payton's off in Denver trying to fix Russell Wilson. I can't wait to see if Derek Carr can take this team to a new level. And I'm here to tell you that I think is possible. The only problem for the saints is that their roster is damn near qualified for the early bird special. There's just so many older players here. Cam Jordan. I love you, dude, but let's call it what it is. I mean, been in the league since 2011, Tyron Matthew, honey badger, love you even more coming from my alma mater LSU. But again, these, these are guys that need to stay healthy, need to stay productive. Michael Thomas, are we talking ourselves into a Michael Thomas belt bounce back? Because if we do, the Saints could be nasty. The most important part of this, okay, again, we just talked about how people think the division is down. Are you aware that the Saints have the easiest strength of schedule in the entire NFL? Do you know that the Saints only play four teams that had a winning record last year? It's right there for them. If Derek Carr 
plays up to the expectation, if he plays like a guy that was worthy of a massive contract after getting cut by the Las Vegas Raiders, the Saints, partially because of their talent and partially because they don't play very many good teams, they could make a lot of noise. They could have a surprising record by the end of the season. It's going to be very exciting to see, A, if they can stay healthy enough to do that, and B, if Derek Carr can fulfill that potential. Wrapping it up, more like a a soccer team than a football team, honestly. The Atlanta Falcons trying their best to play positionless football with Arthur Smith calling the shots. I don't completely understand it, but I think it's going to be very fun to watch. Like I I don't know if the, the Falcons are contenders, but you should try to put them on TV as often as you can, whether it's B. John Robinson, whether it's Kyle Pitts, who is a massive receiver playing tight end, Tyler Algier. They invented a new position this week. Did you see this? Cordero Patterson plays Joker now, apparently. That's not even a thing. They're just going to roll 11 athletic freaks out on the field and see what they can do behind a great offensive line. And it all comes down to the quarterback, Desmond Ritter. That's the one thing I don't know if I feel great about. Third round pick out of Cincinnati. I think we're not really talking enough about the fact that Desmond Ritter was very up and down in his audition at the end of last season after Marcus Mariota got benched. I don't know how great it's going to look, but they've certainly given him the talent to work with. I didn't mention Drake London. Again, freaking skyscraper of a wide receiver with the wingspan of a bird of prey. It's going to be incredibly fun to watch. Like I said, I don't know how good the Falcons are going to be, but I think they're going to be one of the most entertaining teams in the league. And in a division with no clear favorite, you shouldn't be surprised if they're on top of it at the end of the year. I think I probably gave my pick for this division away just with the way I was talking. Yes, I am rolling with the Houdat nation. I don't know if the saints have the juice to make it to another super bowl, But I do think they win this division, and I honestly think they win it kind of easily. Like maybe a 2022 Vikings kind of vibe where you're like, I don't know how good this team actually is, but damn if they don't have 13 wins. Yes, that's what I see coming from the New Orleans Saints in 2023. That wraps up the grab bag of the NFC the way I've got it. New Orleans Saints, the Green Bay Packers, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the Seattle Seahawks. But guess what? You don't see the logo for the NFC champs because I'm I'm just committing to the bit, y'all. I, I hinted at it earlier. I don't know if the Cowboys win the division, but if not now, then when? This is too talented of a team. I've got a wild card NFC champ. Dallas, baby. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the Dallas Cowboys getting back to the Super Bowl for the first time in 27 years? And it's in Las Vegas. I goosebumps, chills, just thinking about it. I'm sure that this is going to be used to make fun of me for the rest of my life, but I'm calling my shot. The Dallas Cowboys get it done in 2023. All right, before we get you out of here, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the actual football game that is going to be played tonight. Forget previews. Like I said at the top, it's it's here. The reigning champion Kansas City Chiefs and the Detroit Lions, we've known this game's been coming since the spring, and I still can't believe the Detroit Lions are playing in the NFL kickoff game, one of the most hollowed stages in all the NFL, and Detroit gets to occupy it. It reminds me, honestly, of 2017. 
before Patrick Mahomes was even a thing, Alex Smith and Andy Reid went up to Foxborough and they kicked the crap out of the reigning champion Patriots and really kind of announced themselves. I don't think anybody saw what was coming at the time, but these games can be a stage for a major statement. The Chiefs, obviously, they have Patrick Mahomes. Obviously, they're one of the favorites in the league, but I'll just mention Travis Kelsey's status looking a little bit iffy with a hyperextended knee. Even if he plays, it won't be at 100%. And as I've mentioned, do not underestimate the absence of Chris Jones, not in that lineup. The Detroit Lions kind of like to pound the rock. David Montgomery, this would be a hell of a coming out party without big number 95 on the other side of the line of scrimmage. I do not have the guts to call for the upset. The home team traditionally does very, very well in these games. But look, even if the Lions don't pull this off, it's a hell of a lot of fun that they're even here at all. That does it for the show today. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Special thanks to Ralph Vacchiano. Special thanks to Carmen Vitale for helping me with this NFC preview. But guess what, y'all? The previews are done. It's week one starting tomorrow. Come find us here. We're going to dive into all the exciting matchups. I can't wait. Go find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. We're here tomorrow and for the rest of the NFL season. I'll catch you all next time.